Welcome, everybody. It is episode 17 of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. I am Andrew Dewhurst. As always, I'm joined by Chris Moray. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, Andrew. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Well, uh, I think at this point we can say we're all doing better than the Vancouver Canucks. Um, yes. yes we they are. have been brutalized by, by COVID-19 in the last week. I think it's up to like... Uh, it's over 20 players and staff members uh, to the point where it's creating issues with like, how are they going to redo the scheduling? Um, I guess there were, uh, someone in the media had called out concerns. I guess uh, Vancouver saw to play Ottawa six times. And it's like, what if we just cut out those six games and uh, lots of interesting stuff there. Uh, the thing I think it does really call into concern though is, um, and not to dive too far down the uh, the political rabbit hole here is though is like should we be concerned about other teams in the North Division, given what's happened with Vancouver, uh, given what's happened with uh, the slow rollout of vac- vaccinations? So, um, I, I guess it, that that is a real concern at this point in time. I don't know when they'll make up these games because there is a lot of games now to make up. I don't know if they're going to have to, what they'll do with those, if they're just going to uh, not play them. Because, I mean, I guess Vancouver is theoretically in the playoff hunt, but maybe not realistically in the playoff hunt. Um, but this does affect all the teams they're supposed to be playing because it does obviously have other teams uh implicated in this so uh any thoughts uh on what maybe we should expect happening with uh with the north north division right now i think it's definitely i mean it's definitely a headache right because now the this isn't just like just the regular COVID, i guess if you want to call it right so darren dreger was going on a little bit about it here when he tweeted about it this morning uh, right, you're, you're you're up to more than 20 players and coaches. That's a lot of people for one team to be missing. But we like at the beginning of the season, the Dallas Stars were suffering with with COVID, but they just you know they kind of pushed the season back here. It, it took the time that it took. But I mean, we're, we're talking about players who are you know ill, right? Like having some pretty varied symptoms, everything from you know apparently from vomiting to cramping to dehydration. Family members are now getting sick, so it's definitely a situation that the NHL is going to try to monitor and see how they get through here. Now, a lot of things are going to have to be decided here for the NHL. A, do you want to play the remainder of those games that are necessary, right? Specifically, like you mentioned, they got a boatload of games against uh, the Ottawa Senators that not, I mean, let's be honest here, the Ottawa Senators are out of the playoff spot, regardless of how many points they think they can make up. But those games to Vancouver kind of mean something. So do you want to go with a winning percentage instead of games plays, which I think would penalize every team in that North division, right? Uh, yeah. Because basically that means that you're you're not getting to the amount of games that you should. We do know that the North Division is going to have to play probably past May 11th, right? So the Montreal Canadiens do have a game uh, that's scheduled around that time. The NHL would have liked to finish around the 10th, but that you know that buffer period that they have seems like it's going to at least in the North Division is going to be used, right? Um, so that's one thing here. And again, I guess the next week to 10 days is going to be critical here for the Vancouver Canucks and for what the NHL is going to do here because if if more players are testing positive, if more players are sick, if they're not, you know, 
feeling better, and that's literally an understatement here, right? If they're not into game shape to play within a week, right? Then you have it. Now you have to start figuring out, you know, your your plan B and trying to use that to the best that you can. Because again, they like they're not in a good situation right now. The, the, the that North Division has a lot of things going on, and sadly, it's not all hockey related. So one. One scenario that maybe the NHL looks at is saying, okay, well, we'll let the playoffs for the three U.S. divisions start, right, by May 11th, assuming nothing, you know, the states slows that down and we'll play out however many games are left in the North Division. Or I think it's just more likely that the NHL is going to just say, hey, we're going to use a point percentage to wrap up the standings here because I don't see how the NHL, A, I, I don't see how there's how they're going to get to where they need to be, the Canucks, right? Like, I don't know. Like, you right. have to play almost every day in order to get to where you need to. So I, I don't think that's feasible, right, for the NHL to just all the starting, like, they basically have to take the schedule from now until the end of the season in a North Division, just toss it on the recycling bin and say, okay, well, let's start over again with what's left. Right. Uh, so I don't know how they're going to go through that. And again, that's assuming every player, or at least a large majority of players and coaching staff will be able to return. And that's a long shot right now. That team is just being ravished by what apparently is a variant of the virus as well. So it's definitely, it's de- it's not good. That's, that's <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, it really creates a lot of interesting situations, right? I mean, you look at what's on the schedule here, right? They've got two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. 12, 15 games left. Uh, I mean, I'm no statistician, but looking at the standings right now, Vancouver is six points back in Montreal, and Vancouver has played three more games. Uh, the odds of them catching Montreal are minimal, right? Like, they, they would not only have to, if they were healthy even, Right, that's just not a really realistic situation. Um, so I mean, well, I think it's fair to kind of like the Ottawa games come up because you know, well, they've got four games against Ottawa. I think in like six in eight days, something like that was what was originally on the schedule. Uh, yeah, two at home, two on the road. Uh, they got two games. I mean. Uh, at the same time, though, I mean, ask Montreal how, how games against Ottawa have gone, right? It wasn't necessarily been smooth sailing. Uh, ask Calgary how those games have gone. They haven't, right? Like, while Ottawa is the, not the best team in that division, I mean, they have been competitive. Uh, so it, it'll be really interesting to see how they played out. I mean, I guess, for my opinion, you could probably cut Vancouver out of the schedule if you had to and say, hey, look, your season's over. I don't know how, but I mean, there are residual effects to that. Like, you you know, how do you handle like performance bonuses? How do you handle all those other types of things that go into playing hockey games that are part of like the the world of hockey? Um, Not so, even that alone, just like, what do you do for the trade deadline now? Right. Yeah. Like, well. That's I a guess, whole other conversation. For you sure, have about, yeah, they, you know, they can't do anything, right? If they're sellers, like, like good luck, right? Not only do you have to bargain a price to try to move a player, but like, what team's gonna 
you know, say willingly go, yeah, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll let this player cross, you know, a country lines coming to the United States. I mean, going into the United States, I'm assuming that's less of a problem because, you know, it's the United States. But still, that team's got to want to bring in a player who might be dealing with something or even a player who's not on the COVID protocol list, which are just like a handful here and there. Like, what are the odds that you want yeah. to take in one of those players who, well, I mean, from my understanding is at, at one point, the entire team's just going to test positive. It's just maybe they just haven't gotten there yet. But like this yeah. creates a a pretty big problem for the Vancouver Canucks just from a like an operational point of their team. For right. Sure. Like now you yeah. can't trade players in or out. Your coaching staff is affected. The families at home are as well, not to mention the players and whatnot, the training staff and literally everything that's within six feet of that team and seems to be problematic. So it's a headache. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, best of wishes to the Vancouver Canucks. They're, I mean, they're, they're, their team, their training staff, everyone involved with that team is that they often do have a, a wide, a widespread. Um, so uh, moving on to, to brighter or somewhat brighter, pastures here greener pastures if you will uh martin jones is taking to trolling the 2022 fantasy draft boards i see uh i can see it now people jumping back onto the martin jones is a viable goalie commodity train uh at the end of the year and it's you know it's going to stick with people's minds yeah martin jones sharks aren't that bad right martin jones he's for real again so, um, Chris, for the listeners, uh, do you want to remind everybody who Martin Jones is? I mean, people by now who follow me on Twitter should know how I feel about Martin Jones and, you know, what he does. So, right, like, l- let's be honest. Martin Jones is a flaming pile of just garbage. He's he's not good, right? And I guess from, I would say, March 1st here. So for the better part of a month, I don't know what he's been eating. I don't know what he's been doing, but he's been relatively competitive, if not good. And that's like, that's a problem. I would say here, that's a pretty big problem uh, with the exception of a couple of games here and there. So the one you think of on March 5th against Vegas, where the teams kind of got blown out. Devin Dumick started, I think started. Yeah. No, sorry. Um, Jones, started. No, Jones started it. And then I think Dumick came in, but it, it, yeah. it didn't really matter. Right. Um, so, Apart from that one, from March, here from March 1st, he's got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins. He's got two losses in regulation, and he's got one in overtime. So he's done pretty well. I think the the, the part that really stands out for me here from Martin Jones is the amount of saves that he's making, right? Like, he's got, I mean, it was a series, not the series against LA that just, you know, that just passed here, the one where, they were, where the Sharks were at home back on the 22nd and 24th of March. Like, he won both those games, gave up three goals total in both, and stopped over 40-plus shots in both those games. Because I had a lot of L.A. going into this. I don't know, Usually, yeah. I stack against Mark Jones, you know, regularly. It's not hard. I see he's on the slate. I say, perfect. He's confirmed to get the start. So I expect him to get blown open. And for the better part of, what, two years, it's kind of worked out pretty well here. And then, yeah. You know, he, he plays so amazing against L.A., Two nights later against Arizona, it gives up five. And you're like, okay, like, like what planet am I on right now? And then, you know, two games against Minnesota, wins both games against the, you know, Minnesota. He was all right. You know, he was, you know, what he needed to do here. 
Um, then he shuts out the Kings here on the second, and he gets a 37 save performance against the LA Kings again. So, again, he, he, some people are going to look at him and go, oh, Martin Jones, like, he's he's back. He's doing something. Yeah. In, in reality, he's not, right? Like, let's be honest. If you take his his stats from this season, just with everything that he's done over the last month here, okay, just his stats this season. He's he's still got a 303 goals against average and a 905 save percentage. His save percentage is now adequate, right? Yeah, anywhere it has to be. His goals against average is still um, above what he had last season, and it's continued to increase every year. So I'm not looking at Martin Jones going, oh, he's going to be fantasy relevant. This is just one of those things where – I mean, he's eating his Wheaties, I guess, and it's loaded with protein, and he's doing pretty well right now. But I, I expect some regression to happen here. He, he's going to balance out. He's going to come back to, to where he should be. But there's a couple of slates when he was on draft case. He was like seventy seven hundred bucks. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Like if I lose to him, I lose to him. That's just how it's going to go down here, right? Like sugar, we're going down swinging if we're playing this. Like that's it. There's, there's no middle here. But I mean, he's an his stats are, I guess, below average by a little bit. And he's put up this these monster numbers in the last month. And it's still not good enough to make him decent. Yeah. What I I mean, looking at the schedule, this is the path to Martin Jones being overhyped. Because this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna finish this season theoretically around May, May 10th, May 11th, right? Come September 1st, September 15th, October 1st, people are going to forget what schedules look like. And rightfully so. Uh, most people aren't going to dig back through a schedule and go, oh, right. Uh, I remember, people remember the ends of seasons because that's, it's just called recency bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and He's played well in March, right? He's played well starting into April. And these are the games in April. He's got three games against Anaheim, two more against the Kings, three against Minnesota, who seemingly cooled off a bit, two at home against Arizona, three with Vegas, one with Colorado, right? Which, when you think about that schedule, too, like, I mean... The Minnesota Wild have come back down to earth, but again, like they've regressed to the mean of where they should have been. Minnesota right. should not have been scoring five, six goals a night. Not that lineup. Like, forget no. what Kirill Kaprasov can do. Like, it's yeah, not that super no to be found. On that. Yeah, like let's like let's come back to the mean here. And even even in that series against Minnesota, like he picked up both wins, but you know he was he was all right. He was decent. Yeah. He wasn't you know stealing anything, right? He still right. finished in one of those games. He still finished with a save percentage below 900. So again, he was you know very Martin Jones like picks up a win, but not due to him stopping pucks, due to his team scoring goals, which was you know interesting at best. I think the LA Kings are just like the LA Kings are such a hard team to rig, man. Like they're they're either really bad or really good. There is no middle to this team. I mean, they will either fire a million pucks on goal or they'll finish with like 15 shots, and you're like, I don't understand. Uh, I think St. Louis is a good team. Same thing. They're trying to kind of figure out where they go here. Um, 
the Anaheim Ducks are not, we can just kind of disregard them. The same thing with Arizona. They're not great, but here they are scoring five goals. So I think what's like he's going to balance out here a little bit. And for people, I see a lot of people starting to run to the waiver wire in fantasy hockey and go, oh, Martin Jones is here. And again, that schedule towards the end is going to be really, really tough, right? Because he's going to have to start playing Colorado. He's going to have to start playing well, Vegas again. The Those thing teams about, are scoring. The thing about Colorado, and this is what I would keep this in mind, right? So the schedule has been pretty compacted. I wouldn't be surprised if you went, you know, they get into those last three, four games. If they don't matter to to the Avalanche, they could start not playing McKinnon. They could start not playing McCarr, start not playing Grubauer, right? And, like, make that path a little bit easier. I mean, the Sharks are in the playoff hunt. They're yeah, one just, point just... back. Yeah, they're one point back of Arizona. They're tied with St. Louis. And I think yeah. we spoke about this last week. Like, this is St. Louis's spot. It's their spot, yeah. right? Like, they they should be the fourth-place team. And then the all they've done is go 2-7-1 and one in the last 10. So they're like, let's make this competitive, obviously. That's what they wanted to do here. But it's, like, it's their spot to lose. And they're doing a really good job right now of doing that. They are, like, St. Louis is atrocious at home atrocious yeah. like yeah, let's put it into context just for a little bit here the anaheim ducks have five wins at home st louis has four. <laughs> four they are the worst team at home in that division in terms of wins they don't win at home they're okay they are, on the road they are the worst team at home in the league yeah they they, they just don't win buffalo they, they just, have the same number of wins at home as buffalo yeah and let's face it buffalo doesn't win at all they don't do that. They've done a little bit of it of late, which is wild. But like they're like you look at some teams at home and they just absolutely dominate everybody. They just don't lose at home. But St. Louis is not the case. St. Louis is okay. a better team on the road, which is I don't know how this happens, but it just it just does. And again, to me, I think what's going to happen here is St. Louis. It's not St. Louis. Sorry, San Jose is going to get a false sense of hope here, right? Like they're going to play themselves and think that they have a legitimate chance. And let's be honest, they don't. They don't. This is not a great team. They're not really, you know, outside of their top six, which I think even then is nice. Like, shout out to, you know, Team O'Malley and Thomas Hurdle. The one night I don't play them in DFS, they all score a goal. And I'm like, great. I've only been sitting on Team O'Malley now for the last three weeks. Thank you for coming up. But, like, when you look at this team, and their like their top six is okay, and then their bottom six is you know AHL. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, part of me kind of hopes that San Jose gets that four spot just so that I you know when we can watch start, Colorado just ransack them. Yeah, we've got that really easy first like week of like DFS plays of like just just all Colorado. <laughs> just like stack, just stack Colorado, watch them do what they did to Arizona. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I, it was money in the bank last last year's playoffs. Just like, McKinnon and that'll right bring in. people back down to reality, right? And then they'll be, oh yeah, there's there's the Martin Jones I love and remember and hope is showing out. But I can't wait to see where people think Martin Jones should be going in twenty twenty two draft. I can tell you where he should be going. It's undrafted. Out outside the top twenty five. Yeah. 
at all. Like, he just shouldn't be drafted. You shouldn't waste draft capital on Martin Jones. You could probably get a decent backup before you get Martin Jones. Yeah. And why wouldn't you? <laughs> to be honest, right? Like, like, you know, someone like like the Yaroslav Halaks of the world, they're like, I Jake guess the Ron Leonard's if you want to go there yeah. as well. Jake Allen, another one. I mean, Minnesota seems to have a really good problem here as well. So, I mean, there are so many options that you can go through here instead of saying, oh, I'm going to go with Martin Jones. Because, again, like, they're not good, the San Jose Sharks. They've given up 122 goals this season. That, again, the only team to give up more is the Anaheim Ducks. And the Anaheim Ducks are just like, like, let's just discredit them from the league. Let's pretend they didn't exist for a moment. Like, this San Jose team is not good. They're not. They, they played well of late. And that, you got to give them credit. They're doing what they need to do to, you know, believe that they can maybe win. But let's be honest, they can't. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they are still 20 points better than 20. They've given up 20 less goals than Ottawa. Sure. Uh, 10 less than, than Philadelphia. But, th- I mean, these aren't the places you, I mean, we're, Two teams I didn't expect to be in this conversation: Philadelphia, Columbus. They're second and third worst in the league. They're on, they're on pace here, San Jose, a little bit with Chicago. Yeah, and I think Chicago's kind of just played like they, they've played too good, right? Like Chicago should have well, been yeah. bad. They're down and, three and seven in their last ten. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, like they've come back down to earth here, which is fine. I mean, again, Kevin Lankin and Kent. You know, the guy's going to have back issues from trying to carry this team into whatever playoff picture they think they're in. And they're still, they're still right there, right? Yeah, Nashville's gone on this absolute tear. Apparently, they become good overnight. So, um, again, an, an, another team eating their Wheaties here. But I just don't think – like, I don't want anybody to drop into my DMs and be like, hey, it, you know, X or Martin Jones. Like, I don't want to hear a goalie con- – like, one or the other. I think I trolled him in the playbook once. <laughs> I was like, do it, I dare you. And then like he won or something and put up a, it was one of those games where he had a pretty good start too. I think it was I don't remember when it was. I think it was probably I think it was probably against Minnesota. Where he gave like two goals. He had like a pretty decent game. It was honestly it was annoying just watching him do things. Like it's like I wake up sometimes the next morning, I see the stat line, I'm like, ah. Oh. Martin Jones, like, why do you do this to me? Like, just go back to being a dumpster fire, right? Yeah, we all lived in that great time of life. It was good, some normalcy. Yeah, it usually happens to me as well when I wake up in the morning and I check to see how my DFS lineup did, and I'm like, what? Wait, San Jose only gave up two goals. Well, I had three or four players against them. Well, I guess that's why there's no money sitting in my account right now. Man, it's, it's it's annoying to watch them play. <laughs> yeah, it random outcomes. Uh, I mean, we'll see what happens here. Um, I mean, we we know the sharks aren't selling because they have nothing to sell because everyone's overpaid that you would want to sell. Um, but I mean, I don't know, stranger. But they can't be buyers either, right? They have no money to buy. right? So they they have to hold Pat. They have to do their best with whatever it is they have, and and go from there. Well, unless they make some strange deal with like Buffalo, where Buffalo's like, yeah, sure, we'll we'll take on some of that money <laughs> in exchange for some 
something of value, I guess, because that wouldn't be a bad deal for San Jose if they could move like a. I forget what team was talking about it. I just like I scrolled past it on Twitter. It's one of those things that you see, but you don't pay attention. One, I know there's one team that's willing to, to, to take on some bad contracts for some money. Um, I just don't remember which one it is. So maybe you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It wouldn't be the worst idea, depending on, on how much money you're looking at, right? Like, I mean, if you were to say, yeah, sure, I'll take on like. Eric Carlson and your first round pick <laughs> and we'll just take on the money right and get a first rounder and a, a player who's been playing somewhat reasonably well we'll say I mean he's certainly not the player he was five years ago but I mean on a team like Buffalo does it even matter no it doesn't um Something like that. I think Vlasic is probably impossible to move. I don't think you can. No, it's absolutely impossible. That that deal is probably like when you think of bad deals in hockey, like that's that's pretty close. The Vlasic, it's kind of amazing because the Vlasic deal is terrible, and then the Brent Burns one you're looking at now, going, well, wait a minute, that one's bad too, and then you're looking at the Eric Carlson one, going, man, this one is probably the worst. Oh yeah, two other ones are still pretty bad. Like. Maybe Eric Carlson can turn it around a little bit because he's 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 thirty, so like he's not like he's not old, I guess. Yeah, he's not old, but he has had some. But those like Achilles injuries. injuries. Yeah, he's had his injuries for sure. But I mean, there's no way he's going to ever justify the eleven and a half million dollars that he's making. Um, That that seems to be the impossible factor Right. right there, but. I mean, this team's got a lot of money tied up in a lot of players that they shouldn't have money tied up in. Yeah, for sure. And they're all unmovable, right? Like Logan Couture. They got Logan Couture signed for seven more years at eight million bucks. Yeah, like that doesn't that doesn't look good. Why do you have this player till he's 39 years old? That like who thought that would work? And it's gonna get worse for this team because like Timo Meyer and Thomas Hurdle are probably the Young, I mean, they're they're in their prime, I guess, if you want to say, are getting to it there, mm-hmm. right? They have Kevin LeBanc yeah, for a little there. bit, right? I mean, that's not the rest of that lineup outside of there. Like, it's without Ryan Donato and all the rest of these guys are going to bark up some money. But at some point, you're going to have to find money for Hurdle and Timo yeah. Meyer, and like, you're not going to have any because, well, you got to give Pickle another. Like, he's still got after that point after like Timo Meyer is an RFA 2023-24. And you still got two more years of Vlasic at seven mil. Like yeah. he's 34 today, right? Like 34 today. And he's still got five more years after that before he becomes a UFA. Like it's, this is, this team is in trouble for a, a long time unless you can find somebody who wants these players. And I can't imagine any team looking at this going, yeah, sure, let's take all these aging veterans that you owe a lot of money to and like why would any team want to bail them out right now right like well yeah like this is how bad their cap situation is it's so bad that the san jose sharks have been involved in evander kane's bankruptcy hearing yeah in uh with talks of being able to terminate his contract that might be the like a blessing in disguise, I guess, for the team. Yeah, you have some money, but like... yeah, because apparently it would be a win-win because 
Kane wouldn't have to pay as much money. He wouldn't end up having to pay his debtor, his those he owes as much money. And the team, in theory, for doing so, would restructure the contract at a more cap-friendly number. The thing is, is like, you think like Kane's not giving you back three million bucks a year, right? You're not like that's not going to be what happens. It's not going to be like, oh sure, yeah, we'll we'll redo this at four. I mean, the the players union would be right there, being like, no, like this is a seven million dollar player. Like that's actually a pretty good deal on Evander Kane. The only possibly the among the very few good deals you have on this team. Um, but yeah, that's just the San Jose Sharks are the San Jose Sharks. Uh, it's pretty amazing to me that Doug Wilson sells job given how terrible these contracts are. But I guess at this point, like, would anyone want to take this job? I, I can't imagine they would. Uh, you're, you're hamstrung. This team hasn't drafted well, uh, or I think all. the only way they get out of this a little bit, right, might be the expansion draft with Seattle. But that's but only even that, like, yeah. Yeah, you got a whole bunch of players with a no movement clause, right? So you have to protect all these players that you have. The only one who doesn't have a no movement clause, I'm guess out of like the bigger names on this team, is Timo Meyer, and you're not leaving him available. Right, right? they're, they're so, going to end up losing Kevin LeBanc, which is kind of going to suck. Right, <laughs> which is kind of going to suck. Time. Right, like think about it. Unless you work out something where you like beg Seattle or maybe you go down the line of what like uh, Florida tried to do, right? Remember Florida, they were just giving away, you know, Jonathan Marsh or so and everybody, they were just like, take our entire team, um, the, all, all these great players. And then just, you know, we'll be fine. Right. Uh, same thing with uh, Anaheim. They're like, Hey, we don't, we just take shape Theodore, please uh, do us a favor here. Yeah. And everybody's like, yeah, sure. Not a problem. <laughs> we'll gladly do that. Yeah. I, I think that's the only way they can get out of this is if, you know, one of these players decides to say, yeah, I'll waive my no-move clause to be available, kind of like Marc-Andre Fleury did. But again, you're, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. And even if they retire, right? Money's I mean, tough. I'm thinking of maybe, maybe Brent Burns here in a couple of seasons, right? Maybe he's like, look, I don't need this. I just want to sit on a beach and surf or something. Like that cap penalty is still going to hit you pretty hard. So, right. Yeah, like there's, yeah. The thing is, they can't really like, what teams did with Vegas was they traded prospects and draft picks to say, don't take these players, take these players. Right. Well, San Jose needs those things because they need cheap capital and they need like good young players because they don't have any of those. Right. Right? Like you've got, you know, forty. You're like you're getting by with forty-one-year-old Patrick Marlowe. Right. That pay yeah. at seven hundred thousand. You got thirty-two-year-old. Like, think about like think about this from a from a like a standpoint. If you're Seattle, okay, you're coming off Ottawa getting two top-five picks. Yeah. Because this team is so bad that they gave their first-round <laughs> pick away. I mean, they they lottery protected it the first year. They couldn't do it the second, and they almost finished last. Right. Yeah. Like they got some pretty good picks there. So if I'm Vegas and I'm sitting there going, or sorry, not Vegas. If if I'm Seattle, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, hey man, if you want us to take this god awful contract, we'll yeah. do it. 
but you're going to give me your first round pick and you're not going to protect it. And then you're going to see Doug Wilson either really try to earn his paycheck here because you could get off with a problem, right? It's not going to cost you anything really, but you got to have that at that point, that's when you're going to figure out how much he trusts his team. Cause if they play well, then it, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Right. You trade away yeah. first round pick. If it's in the, you know, top 15 or high twenties, it, it's like, who cares? Right. I mean, the if you can solve the problems right with the money you save. Right. That's the other, that's the other really big piece of this. Right. Is like, Let's say you're able to talk Seattle into taking Logan Couture and his $8 million for the next six years. Might be longer than six years. Right. Right? Like, are you going to be able to, like, the if you got two $4 million players out of that, right, is that making a difference for you? I don't think I so. Would, I, I would try to move Eric Carlson. That's the contract I want to get rid of. Well, like that's... That's, that's the worst a one. Really tough sell. That is like, a tough sell. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. The toughest sell that you million. have to do. You you have to literally be a shady vacuum cleaner, door to door salesman to get somebody to buy Eric Carlson. The yeah, like the only way you sell somebody is willing to buy on Eric Carlson is to say, you know what? I think he's still marketable. And in a market that's never had hockey, we need a star, and we think Carlson can be that star. But I think even then, San Jose is still going to have to eat money to do it, plus the draft picks, right? Because you're still like, look, uh, we can't take $11.5 million on this deal, right? Not for the next six years. So how about you eat three and a half? We'll get it down to eight. And we'll do that. And San Jose is still sitting there with eight million bucks extra, right? So that's eight million dollars free in the cap to go. All right, we can go do things. But again, what are you going to do with eight million bucks, right? Like, I mean, the first thing you get right again, going back to it, the first <laughs> thing you got to do is you, you got to find money for Thomas Hurdle and Timo Meyer. So that's got to be your priority to try to find something for there. And then you could probably, you know, re-sign some of these. You know, cheap UFAs or cheap RFAs, you can just plug them into your lineup kind of thing, right? Like, they got a lot of players who they got to figure out what they're going to do. I think they're at the point where you almost have to trade Hurdle and Meyer to say, like, hey, look, we're not rebuilding. We we have to figure out how how we're going to rebuild this plane while it's in the air. They can't. That's the thing, though. You can't rebuild with all those players. Right. Like they're not even at the rebuild stage. They're at the we're just terrible stage. Yeah. Right. The, the only plane hasn't even it. crashed yet. We gotta wait for it to crash, and that could take a couple of years. Right. And then they gotta get all those picks the to only be able way to, to get it. new players. Right. The only way to do it is to get the picks, to get the prospects. Hope you can hit the the lottery on the picks, right? Just I mean, it has happened. Teams have been able to do it by getting the right draft picks where it's like, hey, look, we're actually old and kind of young at the same time. And we'll, you know, we're going to be able to keep this thing going for a little while longer. Um, Early San Jose was very successful in doing this by getting players like Logan Couture in the late, you know, in the late first round. They were getting these types of players, right? Meyer, Hurdle, they weren't early first round picks. Today, though, it's like, well, we've paid all these guys, and now they're all paid, and now they're old, and now we're not very good. And 
so I mean, that's how I would see this. It's like, hey, look, we got to clear up. We got to start clearing out some of these players. Hurdle is going to be 28, 29 when he's a UFA. Let's, you know, you could probably, is that a reasonable contract? 5.6 million. Maybe we can get a prospect and a pick back. Myers, six million bucks. He's still going to be RFA status at 2023. That one maybe like you're going to need a lot back to to sell that. Mind you, six million bucks is overpaid, right? In today's market, when you right. look at how things are, I think are. that's probably the easiest contract to move because he is an RFA, right? Right. You're trading into a team where I mean that's the only thing that you can buy. Now I don't think Timo Meyer signs a long term deal off it. I think maybe he takes a short deal, maybe a one year, two year bridge, even at his even at that age to try to, you know, uh, bank a little bit on his skill and then go out and get that big contract that all these players end up getting towards their age thirty for no reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see how it plays out for San Jose. Uh, I expect all that to say Martin Jones is not good, right? And he's making five point seven five million. Right, dollars. like let's not forget that. Right, also a terrible contract. So you know, I mean, they'll also save probably uh, you know a little over a million bucks when they just let Devin Dubnik walk and replace him with a minimum wage goalie next year, who likely won't be any worse than what they've gotten from him. So, um, yeah, we've uh, probably talked uh, a minute or two longer than I expected on San Jose. Uh, and then lastly here, is anyone going to stop the Colorado Avalanche? They seem unbeatable right now, or ju- as close as any team is going to be to unbeatable. Uh, they are at I uh, just had the standings in front of me. Uh, the Avalanche are 8-0-2 in their last 10. They're now 17-4-2 at home, 8-4-2 on the road. Uh, and I believe uh, in that recent 10-game stretch included to uh, a couple games against Vegas, who, yeah. if, anyone's, if there's another team that is going to be as good as the Avalanche in that division, it's definitely Vegas, possibly in the entire, like, Western style conference, should there have been one? Um, they are but, two man, points behind NHL best team, Florida Panthers. That's right. I <laughs> would say that, right? Yeah. And they're a plus 49 goal differential. I think that's the most interesting part here, right? Like the fact that they score goals, you look at their lineup and you go, okay, that's fine, right? Also, the division that they're in, you're like, okay, that's fine. But the 83 goals against, again, they're in a division where, like, Vegas is good defensively as well, right? Minnesota is good defensively as well. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes should be. They're not. But there's a lot of good teams defensively in that division. And they're still popping goals. Like, they are scoring, and they're not giving up any goals. Yeah, at this point, Philip Grubauer is probably going to win the Vesna. Uh, if the if the season ended today, I would see him as the likely candidate. Uh, I don't. I mean, I mean, hashtag goalies are voodoo. No one had. I think very few people had that one at the start of the year. Right. Um, but I mean, looking at their schedule the rest of the way, they got uh, they had two games against Minnesota this week. Then they get two games at Anaheim. They get Arizona. They got the Kings. They got four games against the Blues. Who don't seem to be able to keep like beach balls out of their out of their net right now. 
two more against Vegas, and then they finish with San Jose for like four games and two with the Kings. I don't. I like think it. it was those games against Vegas that really like like from a DFS perspective. I just stayed away from it. I was like, these. Oh this yeah. Be a low scoring game, and then it wasn't. And I was like, well, okay, that's that's new, but like they just roll out there right now and. They're just doing whatever they want to do. They don't seem to be slowing down at all. Like you said, they're just running out there doing things. And it's kind of funny, right? Because we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago about, you know. Waiting on on McKinnon here, kind of going and saying, okay, well, what are we going to do with Nathan McKinnon, right? The old joke of D trade him uh, for Austin Matthews straight up in fantasy hockey. And he seems to... Again, he he probably listens to this podcast. Oh, yeah. 100%. On the team playing, like, he's got this pumped in his ears, and he's listening to us, and he's going, yeah, all right, hold my vitamin water. And then he just goes out and, you know, says, I'll, I'll, I'll show these kids here. And then he just hasn't, like, he hasn't stopped. I think since we've talked about that, he's just he's just gone on a tear here. And he's he's doing what he needs to do. His shooting percentage has come up a little bit here, which is, you know, what you want to see as well from him. Um, the goals are coming. The points have always been there for McKinnon, so I don't think that's really a concern. But, I mean, he's he's really, like, he's going at it. And, and he's missed a couple of games as well. So, like, he's got a couple of games less than, you know, body Nico Rennan, but he is, like, he's going out there. He's gone back to being the player that you can easily see him pick up, you know, two points a game easy, right? And he's even got, he's even got a, Right. If you were lucky this week in fantasy hockey, he picked up 14 minutes in one game of penalty minutes uh, because he was uh, playing some underhand softball with his helmet. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, so even even from there, he's been doing a lot of really good stuff here. He's playing yeah. the minutes that he should be. He's he, he's gone back to being a player as well who shoots the puck a lot. So in the last four games, he's hit the shot bonus on DraftKings three times. The only games where he played under 19 minutes was that game against Arizona. But again, I mean, he had 14 minutes in penalty, so it's kind of hard to get on the ice when you're in the penalty box a little bit. Uh, but he's been like he's been good here. He's been exactly what we want Nathan McKinnon to be. And I think there's still some room for him to really pull his shooting percentage up to where it should be. He's at 9.4 now. His career average is 10. He's got a little bit more where he can, you know, I think he can still pull out a couple more here. Um, yeah, he hasn't gone on a on a shooting bender by any means. Um, no. I mean, he's, even this recent success, like for the shots, when you look at it, like it's it's nice, right? Like yeah, you like, want to see it, but I mean, outside of that, I would say since about what, like mid mid March, I guess, like he's had a couple of games here and there where he's had these, you know, these big shot you know, explosions, but he's also had a couple of games where he, you know, he doesn't do anything where he gets one. And I mean, we'll give him credit here where credit's due, right? In, in a couple of these games where, so thinking back to the one against Minnesota on March 20th, yeah, he had one shot, but he had three assists. Right? So you're like, okay, well, you know, I'll give him a pass here. I think there's only really a handful of games where he kind of didn't get many shots and didn't generate any points either. And you say, okay, well, he wasn't worth the price of admission today. But I, I would say for the large part of March here, he's since March first, he's gone uh, two games. He he has two games in over a month where he didn't get a point at all. Uh, one of them was against Arizona on the tenth of March, and he made up for that by playing almost twenty five minutes and shooting the puck ten times on goal. So I mean, 
It's not for a lack of effort on his part here. Right. And I guess the only game where he really just didn't perform at all was against Vegas on the 25th, where he had three shots, no points, and just, you know, I guess it was just that one game where he wasn't there. But outside of that, from a DFS perspective, like he's he's consistent. Is he hitting, you know, value every night? It's a little bit hard, right, when, when you're in the 9K category to kind of get there without the shot bonus, without the double points. But... I mean, he's he's as close to consistent right now outside of being named Connor McDavid. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I look at it and I think, like, I'm encouraged by the, the increased shot volume. Um, For sure. Even, like, because he shoots so much, his shooting percentage is probably never going to be, like, really, really high. But, it, I mean, you, you know, Basically, going back to March 17th, we'll call it like two and a half weeks. His shot, like he had 40 shots on goal. He scored on 12.5% of those. I'll take that, right? That's still five goals. (laughs) Five goals on 40 shots. Um, Whereas you look at what Gabriel Landeskog did in the same period of time, they had the same number of points, but Landeskog scored on 25% of those. He scored seven goals and 28 shots. But the reason he's scoring on 25% of those is because he's playing with Nathan McKinnon, right? Like, Landis Cog isn't creating those types of, like, he's, some of those are going to be gimmies, right? Open net, great pass, can't miss right. type situation. Yeah, yeah, like, McKinnon sets him up a lot here, right? He's got five game-winning goals as well. Like, he's putting himself in a good, in a really good situation here as well. And again, that line is expected to do stuff, right? Like, they're expected right. to go out and they should be. Yeah, lead they're, the pace here. I think you could say arguably that they are the best line in hockey. Certainly there's, you know, some folks in Boston who would want to argue otherwise. Um, but I think, yeah, but I, I think Boston one is a more complete line. I would, so you, you look at Bergeron, you look at Marshawn, right? You look at Poster, not they're a, like, they're a line that you'll deploy in all situations, right? If you need to win a face off in your own zone, I mean, Patrice Bergeron's coming on the ice. Marchand's responsible defensively, and Pasternak's the guy who's going to finish, right? But if I'm looking, if I'm down a goal, right, like, and and I had to choose between Colorado one and Boston one, like, it's a no-brainer for me. It's Colorado one because, like, they're going to go out there and just impose their will on teams. Well, the thing is, is I wouldn't. I think Colorado gets a little bit discounted in that situation. Like, Landis Cog wins almost sixty percent of his faceoffs. Um, he's certainly a player you can put out in that situation. Uh, because McKinnon skates as well as he does, um, he's certainly somebody you're not going to have. And he's, I mean, he's not bad in faceoffs. He's at 51%. Um, so, I mean, it's not, I don't sure, think it's but... as far away as people give credit. Just Bergeron, I mean, Boston's line has just been more established they've done it for a longer period of time i mean you probably like bergeron's got a a trophy case full of like selkie trophies yeah like he collects them right that's right that's Uh, fair for his sense but i i think where colorado gets off with it a little bit is like it's a puck possession thing for them like when when they possess the puck like forget it you're not getting it back 
until they shoot it or they score, you know, something happens for it, which I think that helps, right? Like the best defense is a good offense, right? If you possess the puck, sure, then yeah. you're never going to get it back. Whereas if, you know, Boston won, even if they don't have the puck, well, you know, it's going to be a task and a half to even get it into the offensive zone and try to do something with it, which is where I think for that top line for Colorado, that becomes a little bit more different, right? They can do things. Like I'm not looking at McKinnon trying to say, Hey, you need to be, you know, a stud defensively. No, I want you to be defensively responsible. The same thing with Miko Rantman, right? I, I think Landeskog is probably, and I mean, not probably, he is, he is the most responsible yeah. player on that line defensively, um, which is needed, of course. But, I mean, I'm not looking at McKinnon and Rantman and asking him to play defense. I just, you know, make sure your guy in the zone is covered, play your position, and then when you get the puck, I want you to, you know, keep quick transition up the ice and let's get into the offensive zone to do something here. Right. So... Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, Colorado's good. We should expect, uh, I think as long as they can stay healthy, and that has been a problem for them, um, Colorado should make some noise, right? I mean, I think the issue, if there's going to be one, is just bad luck with the playoff structure this year. Um, I mean, they're gonna get probably a little bit of a layup in the first round and then have a really tough matchup against Vegas in the second. Yeah, and they still have to finish first, right? Like, I can see, right. like, Vegas is, like, Vegas dealt with a little bit here, a couple of injuries here and there. Like, Flurry's come back down to earth, which is fine again. He's allowed, right? They're 5-4-1 in their last hand. Like, they're, you know, they're a good team, but they're just, like, they're just being good right now. And Colorado's just flying. Like, Colorado's sure. flown past them here, right? Yeah. Which, hey. like, they've they've made up the gap that was needed to make up to get to where they need to be. Um but again, like if if Vegas catches, let's say Vegas takes down the top spot, which is not impossible here, uh, by like one point or something, right? Like Colorado's got a tough matchup against Minnesota, right? That's like that's not an easy matchup on paper. There, nobody's looking at the Minnesota Wild going, "Hey, you guys are a breeze in the park here." So, I think it's important in that West Division for Vegas and Colorado to finish first because I don't want to play Minnesota in the first round because they've proven that they can a score goals and keep the puck out of their net. Right? They're just as good as the other two teams at keeping the puck out of their net. They're not scoring at the same clip, but again, it's the Minnesota Wild, so we can temper our hopes there. Um, Minnesota has one of the better records at home as well. So they're a team that doesn't lose when they're at home. So that's not something I want to entertain either. Uh, I, so y- you want to finish first. So again, coming back to that conversation we're having with San Jose here, I guess that kind of adds a little bit of pressure maybe on Colorado to say, hey, let's Let's really push this all the way to the end and make sure we solidify that top spot so we don't have to play whatever team here is uh, second or third. To me, I mean, it doesn't matter Vegas or Minnesota. Those two teams are going to end up playing each other here if if everything stays as bad. If Colorado continues to win here nonstop and they start to take a six or eight point lead, then you just kind of pencil in. Uh, Vegas, Minnesota first round, give or take whoever has home ice advantage, and then Colorado versus whatever other plug team is going to finish fourth. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and so we'll, we'll see what happens there. It'll be interesting what also of, I mean, I think most U.S. buildings now have uh, fans in the seats. So uh, we'll see what happens as that could theoretically continue to progress. Uh, and we may see something closer to real home ice advantage as well. Whereas today it's only like 
coaching advantage for for home ice where you have you know you can match up defensively you can match up you know you can get the right face off players out there so um that stuff will be interesting as, as we get, start to get closer to the playoffs we're now uh, theoretically because we don't know what's happening obviously as mentioned with vancouver uh only about a month away a little more than a month so uh yeah we're, we'll keep an eye on that so Moving into what's, uh, you know, finishing things up here, getting with the goals for per game, goals against per game, um, goals for per game, last five or last two weeks, top five teams, Colorado, we obviously talked about that. Um, the Rangers, the Penguins, the Capitals and uh, Montreal hanging in there at number five. Um, no real surprises there, I don't think. Not surprising to see the Mass Mutual East Division having a bunch of teams scoring <laughs> goals there. Right when you play the Devils and the Sabers a lot, you're going to score goals. And yeah, I mean it's it's nice to see the Rangers here kind of pulling out with some goals here. They got a they have a little ways to go here. They come in they're they're tied with Philadelphia today, right? That they play one extra game, but they have 39 points. Boston seems to be kind of trying to that pull away here. Right, they have a four-point lead. They also have three games in hands on the Rangers. It, it, again, it's Buffalo's spot to lose, um, but right now it seems like the Bruins are going to lock up that fourth spot because it's it's definitely not Philadelphia who's coming back here. Philadelphia just they're just falling they're apart down. here. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't it's, matter. It's yeah, yeah, yeah they're just going to fall down the standings here. And the only reason they don't finish lower is because New Jersey and Buffalo are in their division, but they're going to fall apart here quickly. In my sense, or at least the Flyers have to play the Rangers at, at least one more time, I think, on the schedule. So we know how that ends uh, yeah, for them. Yeah, it's going to push them closer to the minus 30 goal differential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like Washington has proven they can score goals. They're one of the better teams in that department. The Islanders have been doing a lot of that all season. Uh, and Pittsburgh's in the Pittsburgh scoring goals again. They're missing half a lineup, but I mean, all they need is their top line <laughs> to do a lot of the damage yeah. and they're fine, right? Yeah, Crosby's found the fountain of youth. So it's uh, absolutely magical that, like, when Malkin is out, Crosby all of a sudden pulls his game up and he just carries his team on his back, and vice versa as well. Like, like they've been good for so long together, but over the last couple of years, it seems like when one of them goes down, the other one just like says, "Okay, boys, get on, like, hop into this backpack. Let me carry you to where you need to be." That's wild. Yeah, the only thing wild, like. It is often amazing to me that somehow, in some way, Sidney Crosby finds his way to be, <laughs> in some small circles, underrated, where people are like, you know what, Ovechkin is the best player of this generation. It's like, actually, no, look past the goals. Who is Sidney it? Crosby... Who is it? Was it Brandon Dubinsky who tweeted yeah, that out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that was wild. That he's like, like he's calling Crosby. A like a whiner, which is fine. Like not like like not every superstar whines for something, right? Like of course yeah, not. Yeah, he's on his own here. Yeah, it's like right. Well, like I'll, I'll I'll give him credit for one thing. Like Ovechkin is probably one of the greatest goal scorers to ever play hockey. Like sure. regardless of whether he breaks Gretzky's record or not, in my mind, he's playing in an era of hockey that is just so much right, so much better technically. Right. Goalies are bigger. They're stronger. Equipment's better and everything like they're just again, it's one of those things where you look at Ovechkin and you say, well, like he's a pure goal scorer. That's what he does. Crosby is not on that level. He doesn't 
no. score at the same will here, but um, it was it was bold <laughs> for a player like Brandon Dubinsky to pick. Like, I mean, just to word it the way that he did. Like, yes, he played in the NHL, so I guess he understands uh, what it takes and whatnot. And I'm sure he's still salty at Crosby and you know beating sure. him a bunch of times here and there, but. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I agree with him that you know Ovechkin goes down as probably one of the greatest goal scorers in NHL history, as he should be. But I mean, do star players whine? Yes, of course. I mean, the media yeah. whines for them as well, right? Like every time a star player gets cross-checked, you know, like, TSN has a, a a full segment on it on how do we protect Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. But, but let's let's take a quick moment here, though, like. Let's not forget Sidney Crosby won the Hart Trophy at 19. Yeah. He had 120 points as a 19-year-old. Yeah, he came, 20 came he played to the league and just, like, he just tore it apart. Yeah, 102 points in 81 games playing 20 that minutes was, as an 18. Yeah, that was the first, like, that was the first year. People don't even remember, like, that was the first year that he played with Mario. Like, that was Mario's, that, that was Mario Lemieux's last season. And right. he basically played on the line with Mario here. And there was... Like, there was no growing for Crosby here. There was none. He literally came into the league uh, and had 278 shots on goal and shot 14%. And you're like, oh, cool. Like, this kid's here, right? Not to mention, as well, that first year, the only season he's ever done it, he had 110 penalty minutes. Like, he was a stat stuffer. Legitimately. He had 47 power play points, also the highest of his career. Like he just walked into the league and said, "Hi, this is like this is mine." Obviously, you know, over the years he's dealt with some injury issues, right? That yeah. that's been well documented and whatnot. Probably maybe slowed him down a little bit here and there, but he's. I mean, when he's, he showed up in the league as a kid, he was just he was just tearing it apart, and yeah. he's had a couple of seasons of a hundred points there. But again, it's it's been hard for Sydney to stay healthy at times, but he's done well. It's sixteen years. This is the 16th NHL season. He's never been below a point per game. No. And, I mean, to, again, to, to his credit, he's been able to be very good for a very long time. I I throw Gino into that same conversation. He's been really good for a long period of time. Now, Malkin can't stay healthy, right? That's right. kind of his issue. But I think Malkin is a, Malkin's a better goal scorer than Sidney Crosby is. Like, that'll give Like, Crosby's a facilitator. I think Malkin is a different player, right? And when Malkin is on his game, like you can't stop him. Malkin will rack up pins and stuff, and he'll he'll do everything. He he was a modern day stat stuffer, right? He's he's scored fifty goals in the NHL before. Like he can he can do all that great stuff, right? So, it's, mind you, Crosby it's, has as well, right? Yes, but they're they're to me they're, they're still players. two different players. They're two different For sure. players. Yeah, they're two different, different styles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, and I'm not gonna like a lot of people like to look at Danny Malkin and be like, oh, he's he's hurt and whatnot. But especially from a fantasy perspective, I've been telling people forever. It's like even if I get 60 games out of Malkin, if I get 60 games and he's giving me 75 points, like I'm still taking them. <laughs> yeah, I don't care where like I don't care where they come from. Yeah, he's gonna get hurt. Yeah. This might be the only season where he doesn't hit a point per game. Uh, he didn't hit it. A- he hasn't hit a point per game in, yeah, this season. Yeah, this is this the first season. season. I think he's got one more. 
I think he's got one more. And again, it was it was probably close. It was, who, yeah, I, like 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So outside of that, right? And even that that year, he only played what 43 games. So yeah. Again, injuries catch up to Malkinger. He hasn't played 82 games in like a boatload of years, which is fun, right? That's just the player that he is, right? He's he's big, he's strong, he just his body's not built the same way. And I mean, they're still yeah. really two good players. All that to say, Brandon Dubinsky's just salty here. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I just was, I saw that and I was like, what? I was like. I guess. And I was like, will people look back at this generation and forget like how like good Sidney Crosby They are. Like, I I feel like some people will, like, I don't know. Like my dad likes to tell me how great Grand Fear was back in the day. And I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to be doing the same thing to like my children when they were like, Hey, like I got to witness Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin play in their prime for so many years. Like they're literally, they're walking. They're literally walking a skating hall of famers first ballot. Easily. Oh, yeah. Not even, yeah. In Absolutely. the modern NHL as well. Like, you look at a lot of great players, you're like, oh, you, like, they were good and whatnot. But these, especially Ovechkin, like, o- Ovechkin's also older, right? And yeah. considering what he's what he's doing, even at this level, like, people thought he was, like, finished, right? He was going to have a slow season yeah, this wild. year. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everybody's been saying for years, like, oh, this is the year, like, Ovechkin falls off the wagon here and it's not going to work and this and that. And all of a sudden it's like, you know what, why don't you guys just sit down and have a moment here uh, and let me do my thing. I will say it's the first season that I'm seeing Ovechkin rack up as many assists as he does um, because that's just usually not his game. But he's uh, he's doing what he needs to do here. I, I, I mean, he's not the 100-point player he once was. I don't think we'll see him rack up that many points again but i mean he's still a goal scoring machine here <laughs> there's yeah. no denying that like right. he's got two thousand more shots than sydney crosby has. two thousand <laughs> yeah that's not a little and like he has 5600 career shots and he's shooting 12 <laughs> percent. like that's that's wild that's wild he finished he had one season where he finished below 10%. And he still scored 32 goals that year. Yeah. 32. He is, his first four seasons in the NHL, like he finished with over 400 shots. He had 528 shots in 0809. Like, that's just, that's just like, think like. Yeah. Think about playing in a points league. Right, where you're getting like 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 we're literally sitting there drooling over the fact that Pacioretty gets like three thirty or three forty, right? And then Ovechkin's like, yeah, okay, I still have two hundred more shots than that. Like, how would like you can only imagine how he would have been priced in DFS at that time, right? Like he would have been he would have been a ten k player. He was he would like they'd have to change the shot bonus. They'd have to make it ten for him. Like that's. That's awesome. and he didn't even play 82 like games that season. He had 528 shots and he played 79 <laughs> games. That's six and a half shots per game. Like that's what like that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he would have broke DFS height in that year. Um yeah. Um 
next five here, uh, lowest giving teams giving up the most goals right now. Uh, Vancouver will leave them alone. Uh, Philadelphia, I think we all know that kind of what's going on there. Arizona, uh, Washington, and Buffalo. Washington comes in as a bit of a surprise. Uh, Arizona has just injury issues, right? Darcy Kemper's hurt. Um, I mean, they don't have a starting goalie, basically. Aiden's hurt. Yeah, I mean, they got to roll out Aiden Hill. Uh, yeah, every well, night when you're running you out Aiden Hill every night. night. You're you're gonna have some issues. You're gonna run yeah. into some problems, and they have ran into those problems. <laughs> yeah, and Washington just seems to be up and down a little bit. I mean, I think we're gonna see teams in that uh, in that East Division just give up goals sometimes because there's. I mean, the teams in that division are really good, um, and we've. It just seems like uh, Vanacek. And specifically, has just kind of been a bit of a roller coaster. He's had some really high highs, and uh, he, you know, he comes back down. And he has a few bad games, and he kind of comes back up. Um, I, it'll. I mean, that goalie situation is one that's probably worth watching as you we progress closer to the playoffs. Because um, it wouldn't be a surprise for it to be Samsonov's net come come playoff time, even though it largely has been. Vanacek with getting the majority of the starts through the season. Um, just want to pull it's up. It's going to be interesting to see how they do it, how they do that. Cause this is like, they're one of the better teams of the league here in Washington. Like they're, yeah. like they're legit here. They're, but they're doing, they're doing stuff. Yeah. I just, that goalie situation scares me. The goalie times. situation is definitely not good. And, and they're giving up goals here, right? Like they're in that division. And I mean, again, let's, discredit the Philadelphia Flyers from it. Like, only the Buffalo Sabres have given up more goals than them, right? Philadelphia, Buffalo, Washington, which is kind of not that, like, that's not where you want to be kind of associating yourself with, right? Those teams, goals against, that's not where you want to be in line with. But, again, like, Samsonov hasn't been elite this season, right? I think everybody was thinking he was going to be great. He hasn't been. Vanisek's had to play what he's needed to play. Yeah, and, I, mean, I mean Craig Anderson's just a body right. at this point. Yeah, he's, right? he's a bad insurance. He's a mass mutual worthy insurance policy. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even that, like, he's a terrible insurance policy. Right. He doesn't pay well. But I, I guess maybe the the part that's kind of I guess hurt this team in goal though was probably the loss of Henrik Lundqvist, who could have easily, you know, solidified uh, that position here. Because now you got two young kids basically yeah. running the show in the back there, and. I mean, Washington defensively is no juggernaut here, right? You're not looking at John Carlson going, oh, he's, you know, he's going to slow everything down. That's not what you pay John Carlson to do. Offensively, I I, I think their lines are okay, right? Like, they're a good team Yeah, the top six is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, let's not forget, right? This is a team that also has Zeno Chard on the blue line. Right. Uh, And, right, they have some pieces here that are, like, they're good, but... I'm not looking at them defensively going, oh, I'm terrified of them and they're going to slow me down. Like, they have holes. They have holes in their defense that you can definitely exploit. And I think teams in that division, like you said, they've been able to do that consistently. Yeah, there are teams... There's goals. That if I was making a futures bet today, having no idea what the playoff matchups are going to be, right, I would look at... Washington as a team I'd be willing to bet against losing in the first round. 100%. Um, 
because of the goalie situation, because of the defense situation. Like if because, they had, let's say they played Boston in the first round, right? As it would match up today, right? You, would, I would, I would, I would be okay. Like if somebody said, "Oh, I'm picking Boston at seven, I wouldn't look at them and go, "Oh, you're crazy." I'd be right. like, "That's that's possible." Yep. Yeah. Like and how I many think, times have we seen Washington be heavy favorites for something, and then not make it out of the first round? Right. And part of the reason is, I mean, the rosters improved in some ways over the years, right? They, where they've, you know, they've really improved the second line. They've added, they've added quite a bit of depth over the years. Um, but I, I would be really concerned for that team facing Boston in the first round, as you would, you know, theoretically, I mean, they're going to see a lot of that top line, like, Ovechkin sees a ton of that top line. It's going to really come down to secondary scoring. I would be concerned for Washington with whatever team they face in that top four. Like, I don't... Yeah, I, I, if, I, if I'm Washington, I'm not looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders going, oh, this is going to be a lot easier. No, these are, like, the Islanders are a really good team. They are right. really, really good. And I would, if I could pick one, I would rather that. have the Penguins. I, I mean, if I had to pick, yes, I'd want to play the Penguins because I feel like the Penguins have, you know, their defense is okay. Their goaltending has been questionable all season. And there's no question that their offense, right? Like, they, the Pittsburgh's yeah. a one-line team here. They right. have They're... one good line. And then your supporting cast really needs to support in order to be decent here. Now, if they get healthy, then this is a whole other conversation. But again... They need to get healthy, right? right? And who knows with you know Kapanen and who knows with Malkin. And again, Jerry's not even playing. He's hurt. This is also a team that has Cody Cece in their top four. So there's like there's a lot of things going on here, right? Yeah, From a the depth perspective. They're just not good. You know, they have depth players, but I mean, I'm not looking at Jared McCann and Evan Rodriguez for offense, and those two are playing in your top six. So yeah. You know, Jason Zucker's been invisible all season. He's been hurt as well. But, I mean, this is a top-heavy team right now. And if I'm if I'm Washington, right, even if Crosby matches up with my Ovechkin, like, even if Ovechkin's quiet in the first round, it doesn't matter, right? It's about yeah, winning. Yeah, you'll take the wash. Yeah, you'll yeah, take yeah. The wash on the yeah, yeah. And, and again, like, Kuznetsov and Eller and the rest of them, like, they have enough depth, Washington, to be able to do stuff. Yeah. Right? And I think their goaltending is better than Pittsburgh's, right? Get at least equal. equal. At least equal. Right. They can't be worse, but they're I, I think they're better. Or at least I they they've played better this season. Yeah. Per se, in a larger frame here. But again, I don't want them I mean well not for, for Washington fans, I don't think they want to play the Islanders because that's not good. No. That's no, that's I not somewhere you want to be. No. I don't yeah, and I don't want the Islanders. I don't want the Bruins if I can avoid it. I don't um, want those I don't want to play good defensive teams right. because I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle. Right? These these teams are just gonna clog the neutral zone, and that's it. Like that's it. And if they're disciplined, and you're not giving Ovi two minutes of power play time every power play, then you probably survive the onslaught here, right? And I guess the the best news for Washington would be if Boston actually misses the playoffs, and a team like the Rangers kind of sneak in here. Because then you're saying, okay, well, the Rangers are now a wide-open team here. They're probably – they're a good team. I, I, I think skill-wise they can compete with Washington. But they're not going to be able to keep the puck out of their own net. 
Uh, agreed. Yeah, like they would need the Rangers. Not if they, not if they, right? Teams. So, I mean, the Rangers have had their goaltending issues, right? Specifically, trying to stay healthy here. So, um, if Igor Strickland can't be healthy and whatnot, and it's a challenge, like it's not Keith Kincaid, man. This, no, like he's not solving your problems. So. Which is wild that people think that he can. Like he's, he had a couple of strings where he's a couple. Uh, no, not even a couple. I think he had one game where he was okay, and then he it just got lit up the rest of the way here. He's been, I mean, he's a fun follow on Twitter. I'll give him that fun follow, but like outside of that, he's he's not good. Yeah. So Igor Shosturkin needs to stay healthy here so this team can be. Good. Yeah, and I I saw something this week that's uh, I think Igor Shosturkin in his last four years across like three professional leagues has something like a nine thirty seven save percentage. He's been really is, good this season. Well, yeah, he has. Uh, yeah, he's been like if you uh, paid up an early pick for him, like he may not hit value because he was hurt. But in whatever, but in the small sample that he's given you, like he's still he's still played eighteen games. He started eighteen games, which is, I mean, it's not what you expected. But and the the numbers are not there in terms of wins and losses, right? Because well, yeah, it's the Rangers small sample, but like his numbers are good. Yeah, he's, like he's got a yeah. nine twenty five save percentage. Nine twenty five save percentage, two twenty seven goals against average in that mass mutual East division. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> with a team that's had to deal with everything they've had to deal with, with, with like Panarin and you know whatever his face was named there, the racist, like Tony Dan, yeah. like hey, they had to deal with a lot of stuff, man. So, yeah, and like, I suspect that like for. Like he's still young, right? Like he yeah. is twenty-five. That Panarin one probably hits him a lot differently than it does the the D'Angelo one, right? Like he's Russian. It's like you know he's probably in some ways torn on like what's going on here. Correct. So like that's that's not an easy situation for for a twenty-five-year-old goalie living in New York when. You know the superstar player on your team is openly uh, saying things that are against, you know, against the country you're from, and against probably largely, I guess, many of the the thoughts that you were you were raised to have, right? So, and let's not forget that he's he's played thirty games in the NHL. Yeah, thirty two games total. That's he's it. played thirty two. He's started thirty. He's yeah. also not. Like he's not a massive goalie. He's tall. He's not big, right? Yeah, he's one of those goalies that's still probably trying to figure out. Like he's still trying to become, I guess, NHL size goalie, right? So now you look at goalies and they're, they're massive, right? They're like six two, two twenty five, two thirty, like big boys standing in front of the net that can go from left to right in a split second. Like he's he's still a very young goalie on a team that is good. Or at least people think they should be good. I think they're a good team, a not the elite, right? They're not the elite team that we heard about at the beginning of the season. Here, I think it's been it's been a challenge for Lafreniere this season. Kako's still trying to find his way, but I mean, the rest of that lineup's been pretty good, right? They, they've been 
really, really good, at least. Defensively, they got, like, they have some really good defensemen. And they're only going to get better. Um, once Jack Johnson leaves, then this team's really going to take off, right? Like, then they're going to be good here. So th- there's, a, there's a lot to like about the New York Rangers, per se. And I guess it's just trying to get all those young players to kind of fit in and, you know, kind of get that engine going, which is hasn't happened just yet. Right. Well, on that note, uh, we should close this thing down um, for, you know, I get that, that uh, theoretical hook from John again, saying you guys are talking too much. Uh, so, uh, thanks for, for coming this far with us, everybody. Uh, we will see you again next week and you can find us in the chat.